Hey everybody, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast. I am Jeremy, the host of the National Fire Radio channel. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time listening to the podcast channel, welcome. If you've been here before, we appreciate your continued support and listening. And trust me, we do appreciate you being a part of the National Fire Radio community. This week, April 3rd, 2023 is an exciting time for us. April this year is a big month for us. And we're going to get into a few of those things as the weeks tick on this month. But right now, this week, on April 4th, Tuesday, and going forward on every Tuesday, will be a brand new podcast called The Size Up by National Fire Radio. The Size Up is hosted by our friend Robert Paparo. We call him Pip. You know him. He's the little guy with the mohawk. He's a rock star. He's a dear friend of ours, and he's bringing forth something new. So how about this? Give a listen to what The Size Up is all about. The Size Up by National Fire Radio is a lifestyle podcast hosted by Robert Pip Paparo. Pip has been involved in the emergency services for close to 30 years, and over that time, he's learned how much your lifestyle off the job can correlate directly to your ability to do the job. Episodes of The Size Up by National Fire Radio will focus on just that. Those different factors that you can control so you're prepared when the time comes that you aren't in control. Pip's guests will come from a variety of fields and have an expertise on topics not normally dove into on the National Fire Radio platform. So sit back, relax, throw in your earbuds, and ask yourself, what's my personal size up? I love it, Lily. Thank you for that. What a great intro into what the size up is all about. Launching April 4th, Pip throws it out there with his first guest on the size up, and that is moi, me. I am his first guest. It's going to be a killer discussion. We've already recorded it, and I know for a fact it's going to bring tremendous value. So I'm looking forward to the size up. That's going to be once a week, every Tuesday. The size up will be on the National Fire Radio channel. Check him out over on social media as well. The size up as well as thanks for tuning in. And the only way we can do this, the only way we can push this job forward together is if we get the partners involved. And the partners are our sponsors. So do me a favor, sit back and give a listen to some of the sponsors who allow us to do what we do. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew from Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing metal helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 metal fronts in the market, they are a leader in the metal helmet front space. Their creativity, as well as customer service, sets them apart from the competition. They are manufacturing one-offs within 24 to 48 hours to ship to your door. Not only that, but head over to taylorstins.com and you'll see all the other products that they offer. Right now on their homepage, they have a whole page dedicated to vintage metal prints. It's so cool to see the original prints of the fire apparatus, fire hydrants, fire helmets, fire boots, flashlights. It's so cool. They are printed metal tins that hang on the wall that are aged and look to be from the original days of when these prints were drawn looking for copyright and trademarks. It's really cool. Taylor and his crew are super creative. They're always pushing the envelope as to what products they offer to the fire service. Check them out at www.taylorstins.com. That's again, taylorstins.com to get a hold of Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. National Fire Radio, welcome back to the podcast today. Bo Yelich. 
11 years in the American Fire Service. He served with a couple very busy departments in the South. He's currently in the Madison Township, Indiana Fire Department. Bo, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. You and I go back uh, kind of quite a ways here since the beginning yeah, of National Fire Radio. Yeah, I man, I've been on top of it since <laughs> since day one. I I absolutely love National Fire Radio. Well, brother, that means the world to me. And through through this endeavor of ours, uh, myself and Rob uh, certainly have gotten to know you and your father as well. And in fact, Steve, your father uh, from Terre Haute, Indiana. Hello. Terre Haute. Terre Haute. See, I get, it, I get it wrong all the time. But uh, it's all right. I know, right? He's going to be laughing when he listens to this. Well, like, and Chris. like I said, it's, it just depends on what part of town you're from. You know? Well, that's it, man. Well, the part of town I'm from is the Northeast. It's called New Jersey, and so it certainly doesn't pronounce things like that correctly. I can assure you of that. Yeah, but right along with, you know, saying things in your funny accent, like fire department or <laughs> My funny accent. I see how this is going to go today. All right. I got it. Well, your father was on the show with me, and and, um, and he was on very early on when we relaunched the podcast uh, late last year. Uh, and your father's one of those guys that uh, he's a, he's a um, no-bullshit, in-your-face fireman, and he's got the biggest heart and mush in the world, and he's he's everything wrapped into one package. And um, Oh, very I, much so. I have an unbelievable... Um, an unbelievable respect and appreciation for your father and how he's always uh, been encouraging to us here at national fire radio and so on. And truthfully it trickles down because you've always been the same way. And, and it's been a lot of fun getting to know a husband, a husband, a father and son team uh, who you two are very similar. We were just actually joking about the fact of how you guys, uh, you know, younger pictures, you guys look exactly the same and how you sound the same on the fire department audio, you know, and so on. It's just, it's pretty funny, man, how the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, no, it, it really doesn't. Um, you know, it, it's funny because my mom always jokes that I should have been a minister or dentist or something like that, but... I, I think that she always knew I was going to be a fireman because it was hell. It's my mom's fault. <laughs> you know, she she's the one who always took me to the firehouse when dad was working. That's right. You know, and um, she carried the weight of the team when when dad was on 24s and she did a really good job raising my sister and I. And um, ironically enough, my brother-in-law, he has fire department ties his grandfather retired off the job at chicago and i think he still has some family family up there but mm. uh no it's uh you know you can say it's my dad but i think it's my mom's fault because she kept taking me to the firehouse so <laughs> I, I love it man i love it well i know when your father talks about your mother he he glows and um you know and it's it's a funny relationship your father's humor often gets me cracking up and so on. And I know how passionate he is about the job. So I can only imagine growing up in that house and having that influence of your father uh, trickle down to you. It was a no brainer that obviously uh, that in conjunction with your mom taking you to the firehouse all the time, it was a no brainer. You were going to go down that road. And in fact, you found yourself in the South going down to an aggressive department where you went to a lot of firework. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And uh, you know, it's, I, I always joke, and it, it's not really a joke. It's the reality. Um, I I think I made my first job with my dad when I was like eight. I love it. He was 
he was on a local volunteer fire company. Uh, we, I grew up maybe three miles from their firehouse and, you know, he, he just wanted to give back to his community doing what, what firemen do. And so, uh, sure enough, structure fire kicks off. He goes, Hey junior, you want to go? And I'm like, okay, sweet. Well, show up, uh, house is good and going. This is like late fall. So there's a handful of acres of dried corn. Poor guy has this work truck, LP tanks outside's about to blevy. The garage is on fire. The world's on fire. And here's my old man and his eight-year-old son. I love it. And he kind of turns around. He looks at me. He goes, hey, uh, you see this red light here? When that blinks, let me know. So here I am. My old man dumps pre-connect, starts doing what he can. And I'm just hanging out. I'm like, sweet, this this all right, you know? Well, then here comes all the tankers. Well, this area, it's very rural. And Farmer Brown, who's just hauling corn compared to water, you know, he's, uh, who's in charge here? Uh, not I. Uh, you see that guy over there? Yeah, him. So um, it, that that was a really, I, I don't know, I we still joke about it. Um, and you, hell man, I, I spent my fifth bir- birthday in a firehouse and I, I've always been hooked on the job. It's <clears throat> so being a legacy fireman, then being a generational fireman, we were talking about that before. And we're going to go down that road today because I really want to yep. hit on that. Um, because I think it's a, it's an important topic. Um, and so mm-hmm. that foundation that was provided to you early on, it, it consumed you and allowed you to want to do this job and to pursue it. And it becomes not only just a job and a career, but also a lifestyle. Talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, you know, the influence you had was super strong. So as you progressed, I mean, it was kind of a no brainer, I think for you, but you know, did you try anything else before you went down this road? Did your father encourage you to be a firefighter? Did he try to dissuade you and tell you to try something else or a different trade or go to college? Like what, what did all that look like? So how, how this all played out was, um, when I was 16, uh, one of the guys who was my dad's partner on the ladder, um, hell i grew up with his daughters and and, you know i called him uncle well in november of 2011 i started calling him chief um he had a cadet program reached out and i i knew what i was going to do with my life uh mom's side of the family's law enforcement uh my great uncle may he rest in peace he was a sheriff of my county for about 12 years uh so my cousins were going to be cops i was going to be a fireman well my you know through course of conversation one day it was thrown out hey Bo could get into this cadet program and I'm like hell yeah you know why why wouldn't a 16 year old kid who's always wanted to be a fireman not want to go be on a fire truck so um with that we have a military background in my family uh dad is marine my grandpa is in the navy um I had a couple medical disqualifiers and I tried to join the Marine Corps. Hell, I think maybe three or four times in high yeah. school. And, and I just, I couldn't get past my medical disqualifiers. Well, so I remember, you know, I, I am distraught. We, we had family members that fought World War II. Um, it's just kind of what my family did. Yeah. And 
I, I remember the profound statement. I will never forget it. Uh, we were coming back um, and I was I was beat. You know, I, I was defeated. I was in shape. I was good to go. Uh, but I just couldn't get cleared to join the Marines. Mm. And um, it was right about the time FDIC kicked off. And I remember my old man told me, he's like, you know, he's like, I'd rather share a Maltese cross with you than an Eagle Globe and Anchor. Wow. And, and so that that was a huge conversation that I still carry with me in my career. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and it's one of those things that I'm, I'm glad we had that talk. Um, but moving forward, he, you know, I, I get put on as a cadet at a two engine fire department, literally right across the bridge, not even two miles from the city he works in. Um, so he's in Terre Haute. I was in West Terre Haute. And my very first night in a firehouse, I caught a house fire. Nice. I was like huh, hooked. And, you know, I, I was addicted ever since then. Yeah. Um, I remember being in the rig and I'm like, holy crap, like this is what I've always wanted to do. And, and it just hit me. I'm 16 years old. Granted, I, I wasn't able to do anything. You know, I'm a 16 year old cadet. Cool. I'm changing bottles. This is like backdraft, you know, but bro, um, listen, let me tell you, man, that, that moment for me too was overwhelming. I mean, it like, you know, I, I grew up also as a generational fireman. And so, the day I was allowed to join and actually do it officially with that patch on my arm. Holy shit, brother. And, it, and that's shortly thereafter, we had a, a an acquired structure. And so we're doing live burns all day. And here I am working myself to death just to pull line, have an air pack on, yeah, pull ceiling, yeah. dirty, do it. And, and so oddly enough, um, we had a first in fire. It was... March 28th of 2013 or 14, nah, 2012 or 13, around there. I had just sprained my ankle at baseball practice. I'm talking three days before. Right. Well, we don't, we don't have games, we don't have practice, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the firehouse, right? So wrap up my ankle, something fierce. The department, I was missing fires. I was a white cloud as a cadet because – why wouldn't you be a white cloud when you just want to go to fires? So I tie, tie my ankle up, something fierce. And we catch this working first in fire. And I'm like, holy crap. Well, it's a small department. So there's a guy who's full-time with my dad on the rig. Me, uh, our full-time driver, our assistant chief, who's an Indianapolis fireman. And I get thrown in the game at, you know, 16, 17 years old. I'm like, hell yeah. You know? And yeah. I'll never forget, like, I, I'm this little 150-pound kid. My, you know, my turnout's way more than I do. And, and I'm pulling rock and lab and mopping up, you name it, man. And I, it's just, it, it got in my blood early. And the earlier it got in my blood, it, 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 I got addicted to it even more, you know? Yeah, did you, so growing up like that and getting that hook, I mean, you found it for yourself, too. As much as your family led you there and in, in that you know, strong words of encouragement and, and brotherhood from your own father that welcomes you into the fire service family like he did. You know, there's huge pressure sometimes put on that generational fireman, that next guy, because not only do you feel a sense of uh, obligation to at least meet 
but you want to often exceed the expectation. And that can go two ways, right? You were talking, you and I were talking about that before. And it's like, for you, there were big shoes to fill. Your father's a big personality on the fire ground. He's got a, a very good reputation when it comes to, you know, strategy and tactics and just brute force and, and, and nothing but, you know, fortitude. Um, my, uh, around this area, because it, the thing is with specifically where we're at in mid-central Indiana, if you say, hey, you're from the Terre Haute area, that narrows it down to maybe four counties that might go train at maybe three different sites. Uh, some states have state fire academies. Well, we have districts where if you're a district instructor, you might go teach at fire department A for nozzles where Thursday night you might go teach at department B doing ground ladders. Yeah. Uh, around here, you can't swing a dead cat without bumping into a fireman and going, Hey, you know, captain Yelich? Oh yeah, dude, he's a G. Um, and his, his reputation, he, he is, he's the guy, yeah. you know, uh, right. between, passion uh the street cred with it um and it it really i you you were talking about setting up you know a path to follow i I wouldn't say my parents pressured me or said oh you got to get on the job It, it was nothing like that my my parents wanted me to find something to make me happy and be good at it sure uh but you know and it it was set in stone that i was gonna be a fireman but Going into where I led off as a cadet, my senior guys are Terre Haute firemen. My officers are Terre Haute firemen. Some some were indie guys, and but majority of the dudes who taught me the job were taught by my dad. Right. And so they were hard on me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember we caught I, – I was doing a 48, and uh, – you know, woke up, jumped the rig at 6.50, come back, and the battalion chief comes in. Well, my bunk hasn't been made because I've been out of run, and I get my ass chewed. Hey, why, is the bunk, why isn't your bunk made? You know, you, you should know better, Junior. Why isn't coffee on? You, you know, just stuff like that. Um, and then it turned into classes I was taken by those guys, or when my dad would teach some of my classes, I'm getting beat up on. But fast forward... And I, I'll never forget, uh, I made a fatality fire and, and it was an all nighter, you know, um, I remember calling some of these guys at like five, six o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, Hey, when you're a dick to me, I understand it, you know? And I, like you said, we were talking about it where I've seen both sides of generational firemen. You have guys that are motivated going, wow, I saw my dad do this, or I, I grew up remembering this. I want to, I, I want this for myself or my kids. Then you have those that go, oh, daddy is, and daddy this, daddy that, and my dad's a whoever here, and they think they can hide and slide and do what they want because they're entitled of what their dad 
did or, or, or didn't do. Yeah, you it's, know? A, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting conversation because it can go two ways, right? And I wonder, and this is this is what I'm wondering as I sit here and listen to you. You know, you you come up and through, and you have to find your own way because you're in the shadow of your father and the legacy that he's been leaving for many years prior to you coming on board. And so sure. you have to find your own way, which is often done through hard work, dedication, and love for the job, right? I mean, you you have yeah. to you have to do that yourself. And so there's this almost uh, inherent obligation you have to make sure that you exceed what the what the perceived image was supposed to be of you, right? You have to you have to work twice as hard as most people to make a name for yourself yeah. and create your own legacy. Whereas well, go ahead. It, it, and that's the thing is it wasn't so much I have to, it's I want to. Well, okay, right. You, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's where in my academy, my my very first ever fire academy, uh, prime example, what what is what's the standard? You know, it, well, it's it's like the modern fire standard anywhere else. Oh, your your JPR today is forcible entry. You hit the forcible entry door a couple times. Uh, you pass your skills, you move on, you go take a smoke break, play on your phone. Me, I wanted to be good at the job. And it's it's not so much, oh, you're Steve Yelich's kid. You you know, he's he's the man. They're expecting Junior to be the man. No, it's I, I've sat and I've listened in to the back porch conversations that my old man has had with his previous officers and talking about, you know, Oh, this guy, he's a schmuck. Thanks. You know, his, you know, he's somebody cause his dad was on the job or whatever. Well, you know, he, he wouldn't know how to work fighting his way out of a wet paper bag, you know? And, and so it, I, I was more or less what I got from my dad was the love of the job which inspired me to do everything else, if that makes sense. No, it does. It absolutely does. But see, here's the thing that I'm really interested in, right? And I want to dive into this because this is the whole point of today is you and I really diving into this topic, right? When you're privy to conversations that other people wouldn't be privy to, there can also become a sense of entitlement, meaning that you're being educated in a different way. You're already advanced in your position in the fire service because you're in, you're privy to conversations and information that the standard new kid wouldn't ever hear or know. You're hearing stories or things about people because of the uh, because of where your father is. You're in right. you're being educated in a different way than your standard new guy. And what yeah. happens with that information is it can go two very different ways. You can form yep. your, you can take it all in, but form your own opinions moving forward about individuals being spoken about, different departments, and how they're being talked about. Whatever the yeah. case, or you can go the other way and jump on that bandwagon and be like, "Well, if these guys think this guy's an asshole, then I think he's an asshole." But the problem sure. is, is then that be, that creates that sense of entitlement because you haven't lived the experiences. You're not forming your own experiences on that person or the event to make an opinion. And you're making an opinion based on what others are telling you. And that is part of what entitlement, I think, is tearing us down. And the dangers of legacy firefighters, they feel that they're in a different place or they're privy to other information or less work than maybe the average new guy 
because of who they are. And I think right. that we have to be right. very yeah, careful yeah. in that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, this is where I'm grateful that my parents raised me the way they did. Boom. Uh, Hit it. I love that. Go. Well, well, it's hey, coming on the job. There's always those guys. And, and we'll leave it there. Everywhere has them. Whether you're you know, two engine West Terre Haute, FDNY, every job has those guys. My old man gave me one rule because I threw it out. I was like, Hey, I was like, you know, my captain is on B shift Terre Haute or, or you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Hey, these it. guys are, it, he throws it out. He goes, you're your own man. Make your own opinion. That's it. But, but what I will say I've seen the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. So, um, I was able to get into more of a senior guy position in my house when I was in the mid South. Right. Um, the only move I really made was across the floor of the engine. Cause I love engine work. Um, ironically enough, that starts from me being a cadet. Um, I became passionate for water when I had an inch and three quarter kick my ass. Cause I was 150 pounds, you know? Um, but moving forward, when I was in the Mid-South, we, uh, we received a uh, probie straight out of the academy. And his last name sounded really familiar. And I finally asked somebody, I was like, hey, why do I know this last name? They're like, oh, his old man's this guy. Oh, okay. Well, his old man had a really, really awesome career. He was in smoky houses. Uh, he, he had done a lot of, a lot of firemen things, you know, uh, medals of valor distinguished unit citations he he lived the fireman's sure. life sure right? well so then junior reports in day one he did a, he did a good job he, he did the right thing before he reported in came in brought ice cream and cake let people get to know him um you know the typical new guy you know military grade high and tight okay junior i'm sure your boots are going to be polished when you get here cool whatever and so the more we get to talking to him, I'm like, wow, th this kid will, you know, he, he might work. First day comes in and, and everything's going smooth. Well, at about noon, I see him in the recliner. Well, we're all outside doing something. Hey, man, we're washing the rig. Oh, okay. Stays right there. Okay. Well, that started a trend with him. Sure. So long story being made short that he didn't feel like he had to charge after it or charge after making his own name because of who his dad was. And that, that landed a world of issues. Um, you know, some people are indifferent about masking up in the rig. We bang out on a fire. I look across the bay and this kid's putting his face piece on. I'm like, what are you doing? I tell him, I'm like, man, you're in the freaking hood. You're, you know, you got all this junk and crap in the front yard. You're a spray, you know, fall and sprain your ankle. Well, he didn't listen. And sure enough, he was off two weeks as a new guy because he didn't listen. Opposite end of the spectrum, my engine lieutenant, who I absolutely adore and would, would go to hell with right now if he called me, his dad is a fireman. His grandpa was a fireman. And he, you never knew. You never knew it. My my work mom, my uh, she was the most senior person in my house besides the engine driver, and uh, her dad was a fireman. But you never knew it. 
and it, it comes into there's just two different people, those who feel like they belong and those who fight tooth and nail to belong because of their history. No, I get that. And that's that's absolutely what we're talking about. Right. And so you have those two different sides of the coin. It's it's a curious conversation of how you end up on either side. And I think and, you you had you had said something before that I think stuck with me. It was how I was raised, right? The fact that you were raised right. to respect the job, respect the guys in the job, and also, you know, your father said to you, you need to form your own opinions and push yourself forward. You, 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 you. You can't build it on the back of someone else. You have to build it yourself. Right. And, you know, it's also... it. Even without generational in the title, there are just some people that get it, you know, and and there's some people that just understand. And I, I think that comes down to that new guy coming in, getting the expectation and the standard and the, and the mentorship to get them there where, where I lucked out was I had guys hard on me as I, as double-edged sword that can be because during the moment it sucks. I will never forget being freezing cold doing three and a half hours of hydrant drills, but it made me better. Sure. But at two o'clock in in the morning, when you have a steamer cap froze up and you got to switch to a three inch cap, it's second nature. That came down to the guys being hard on me. Sure. And, And where, I, I've seen some people dodge those generational guys because dad is a chief. Well, we don't want to be mean to, to baby boy, but yet baby boy is, is not holding the standard. And it, it's a cultural thing, I think. Um, well, I look at it this where, way, right? Like, I want to break this down for a second because, like, I think about yeah. my, my daughter, right? So in the volunteers, right, she's going to be 16 next year. I have never, ever asked them if they've wanted to, my kids, if they wanted to, because I, I assume that they've been exposed to it. And if it's have if they have any interest to it, they'll come to me and say, hey, I'm interested. I'd like to do this. But they also know that if they're going to do it, they have to do it at a level that is expected. Right. And that they can't Absolutely. get away with doing it half ass. And I don't care if it's volunteer career. You decide to do this and you swear an oath. Um, you have to do that job and you have to do it to the best of your abilities and the abilities that are provided to you by the department. And so they don't have a choice. So my daughter, Lily, my youngest, she's 15. She's going to be 16. She actually made a comment not too long ago about, you know, potentially joining a 16 as a junior. And I said to her, well, that would be great. I'd be, I'd love to have you. I said, I'd love to have you in a firehouse with me and it's something we can share. But I said, you also know what that entails. And she said, yes, like I've, I've, I've made the expectation very clear as to what's expected of her. Here's the thing though. And I told her this too. You need to unlearn everything that you've learned already. Because, because the problem is, is she walks into the firehouse now with me. If I stop over, the guys are there. I stop in or she's with me for a call or I stop to get ice on a Saturday and the guys are hanging out, whatever, whatever it is. Right. They're always, they're always, I I grew up with this guy so I can walk in and say, Hey, you know, go screw yourself, whatever. Right. They know, they know my kids, my kids know all the guys, right? It's, it's a great relationship in that sense that my kids feel very safe and secure with the guys in the firehouse and the guys in the firehouse are very protective 
uh, of my kids and they know who they are and so on. So it's this very trusting relationship. But the problem is, is that type of relationship leads to a sense of entitlement as soon as she walks through the door as a member. She's now wearing a different hat. She's coming with a different background and say your other standard kid that walks in the door as a new member. And the problem right. is, is my daughter Lily will have to unlearn everything she knows about the guys, everything I've talked about, about the department, because she needs to form her own opinions and she needs to form her own way of doing it and navigating the space. And I can't allow for her to ride on anything that I've done prior. She needs to find her own way. And the only way to do that is to unlearn everything she knows already and understands that she has to find her own path. And that's a very difficult thing to do. But <clears throat> there's also a other side to this, right? Yeah. Form your own opinion, be your own person, L do your own career. But the core values and the tradition that makes this job what this job is, is still passed on to those generational. Yes, 100 percent. And, and that's where, um, you know, I yeah, my my dad has taught me a lot sitting on that back porch listening to him and guys he's fought fire with yeah i've i've heard about the same ten thousand fires for the past 28 years of my life but i still learn from them but what i will say the core values the the tradition the things that make this job so awesome and so appealing to people and, and make it the best job in the world those are the biggest ones I picked up from my dad. Yeah. And, and I'm, right. not, I'm talking not just, not just tactically, you know, my, my, my old man is a very aggressive fireman. I, I, I'm the same way. Like you said, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I have heard so many times from guys who have made fires with me, who, who works with my, with my dad, dude, you're just like your old man. Okay, junior. Okay, junior. We get it, you know, but that motivates me because I'm like, you know, yeah, my old man's in it for the right reasons. You know, he, he's here to protect lives and property with that. Um, hell the driver uh, of the ladder company he was assigned to there's a picture of him uh, of this driver holding me in a swimming pool uh, as a toddler with a little plastic fire helmet on right that in turn has motivated me because i know and i remember what those guys went through i i know what their job was about yeah i remember i remember hearing yeah we were searching for these kids we were searching so hard we're throwing air bottles out the window when it hits the fan of my own career, it's a no-brainer what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I think, too, um, you know, what what I'm getting, what I was, yeah, what I, where I was going with that, too, is that, like, she she can listen to the stories and the experiences that I share, and that certainly helps her push her own career in this forward. But she has to formulate her own opinions and get the sense of her own way. And, right. and I, I want to say this, right? Like 
as much as you were influenced by your father and his friends growing up, and then you go through the cadet program and you talked about that first fire you went to and man, that hook, I mean, you were just like, it, you know, you, you can't even describe that feeling. She needs to have that feeling for herself too, because exactly. that feeling that she feels on her terms then will set the stage for her career in her either love or, or, or lack thereof of the fire service. And, you know, I don't want her to feel that obligation because she feels that she has to fulfill something for me. It's not about me. It's about her. And so she needs to have her own experiences. And the only way oh. she's going to have an impartial experience is to do it on her terms and not exactly. somebody else's. Yeah. And that's where, um, you know, it, it's funny because I, I swear I could write a book about what I didn't hear from dad if that makes sense yeah. regarding the job, because, um, I got promoted at my last department. I was, uh, I was an engine officer, had, you know, five guys on my shift and my old man's been, been an officer longer than I've been alive. And I called him one day and I was like, dude, I was like, why in the hell am I beating my head against a wall? He goes, Oh, it means you're doing it right. And I remember the conversation. I was like, well, why didn't you tell me this? Being an officer sucks. You know, like yeah. it's, it's not just, oh yeah, I, you know, I ride the front right seat and led my guys down a hallway. I, I told him, I was like, man, the easiest thing I can do if, as an officer would have a house fires entrapment because there I know what to do, you know? And, and it's, it's all the little things that I had to figure out on my own. Yep. The, the firehouse hierarchy, um, you know, yeah, I, I knew what was expected of me, the new guy, but on the other side, I also had to live it. This episode's brought to you by Fast Rescue Solutions. Fast Rescue Solutions was created with the mission to develop products and training that surpass currently accepted industry standards and that meet the operational challenges of the real world. Their vision is, always has been, and always will be to revolutionize rescue and save lives. Fulfilling both the mission and the vision, the Fastboard is a disruptive technology in rescue. Invented by 28-year Philadelphia firefighter Eric Allen with over 20 years in the Philadelphia Fire Department Special Operations Command. He is a game changer. His crew is game-changing victim in firefighter rescue and survival. The national average time for rescuing a downed firefighter is 15 to 20 minutes using five or more people. The fast board has the ability to reduce that time to five minutes or less using only two or three members. That is 500 times faster than the national average. Originally designed to get down firefighters out of a basement, the fast board has been proven effective in nearly every rescue scenario. RIT can find space, trench, ice, and water rescue, hazmat, mass casualty, and the list goes on and on. Its simplicity and versatility make it a game changer. For a virtual demo or more information, visit their website at www.fastrescuesolutions.com and tell the crew you heard about them on the National Fire Radio channel. Eric and his crew at Fast Rescue Solutions have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. Check them out. No, I get it. I mean, it's like it's, it's parenting, right? It's you let your kids fall down because they need to learn. 
right? Like, exactly. I'm, I'm the type of parent that lets my kids get hurt or I let them venture out on their own when they were little in the backyard to, you know, play in the woods and to fall down and get hurt and come back and, and, and spit on it and rub it off. And it's good. Go back, you know, go play. Yeah. You fell off your bike. Go get up. Like, you know, that is that's certainly a big part of this. And I think that has a lot to do with what you said before about the parenting. And that's how I was raised. And I think that those are the important things, because I think when we raise good people, we create good firefighters. And I think inherently good firefighters come from good stock and um, and people. I, go ahead. Well, think about it. I mean, shoot, you go go back and and think of what what traits make a good fireman compassion respect you, then you turn it over that's still a good person yeah and, and and inherently uh if you listen to mo davis from houston fire i i oh, love yeah. this guy and, and he was talking um about about service and and uh, he he described a situation he ran into when he was an officer about uh, a water line busting, and he goes, "Yeah, that's job for the fire department, you know." Yep. Be- because we are there to serve people. Turn around. This is where my mom comes in. The compassion that my mother instilled in me, that love of people, makes it easy to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for kids about to go to school when you know mom's cracked out or whatever you know what i mean i do i mean i I get it i get it completely for sure and i and it it becomes second nature to hey this car on the side of the road has a flat tire pull the rig over hey we're good but with that hey you're clearing off a run there's a little kid out in the front yard mark in service and give that kid a plastic fire helmet and sticker let him climb all over the rig for five minutes yeah you never know. You, you never know. And, and there's so many times that it, you know, it's, it's like a movie or whatever, where I'll yell, Hey, stop the rig. You know, there's kids out in the front yard. Let's be, because I remember who that was. You, you know what I mean? Well, I do. I mean, I just saw it this past weekend in Alabama at a conference I was at, and I, I, I literally met a few guys that the fire service actually s- literally save their lives. These kids grew up in um, the the toughest neighborhoods, gang-infested, drug-infested. Their brothers and cousins have been murdered in front of them. Their families, yep. they don't know who their mothers and fathers are. These are kids that grew up in, in the worst of conditions, and they found something within the fire service, or the fire service found something within them, and it gave them an opportunity to fall in love with something and appreciate something and something gave them something back the fire service gave them meaning the fire service gave them purpose the fire service literally saved their lives that's how powerful of an institution this is and it's driven by guys in which you're talking about service-minded oriented-minded morals ethics and values empathy people people matter we need to invest in our people, and when you find good people or you find people needing direction, take that moment and talk with them right. or pull right. that fire truck over and let the neighborhood kids get a red plastic helmet and climb on the truck and pull the air horn string because that, you never, ever know 
what impact that's going to make on someone. And, you know, it's, it's really funny. So I had a epilepsy as a child. Wow. Okay. Well, my clinic was right down the road from my dad's firehouse. The only way they'd get me to go to the doctor's appointments was let me ride in the rig. That's cool. The day I was cleared and you talk about mushy, get up in your field stuff. The day I was cleared, we had the queue pinned going down the avenue and I remember still to this day, you know, the sound of the queue bouncing off the buildings that echo. Sure. Yeah. It's not, Oh, cool. We're doing fireman stuff. It's, I remember being a three-year-old kid going, wow, this is awesome. It's cool. That that's 25 years later, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's, that's where I I've been calling it the sons and dad's generation because the son's generation obviously looks up to dad where like when you started out, where my dad started out late eighties, nineties, guys are going to fires left and right. You know, we wanted, and we still want to be dad, you know, you, the, the Garrity light on our helmet, the door chalk, we, we don't want a safety culture. We want to be old school door kicking firemen. And, and I've had this conversation so many times at my firehouse because I got a bunch of generational dudes who who just want to be firemen and it that's where i'm seeing the job go back to let's be aggressive because it's not about us yeah and and that's where i was so grateful for how i was raised uh my dad's job uh lost a guy in 2002 and and i i could go back to the house and show you where i was sitting on dad's lap crying because i didn't want my dad getting killed right yeah that's all part of the equation but as a father, now I understand as a young single guy, it's, hey, get in there, put the fire out, try to save a victim. Now as a father, I round that corner and I'm going, that's my kid in that house. Right. My, the, the, that's where being a generational guy, you, I, I saw the after effects of my, my dad making grabs or making fatality fires. I, I, I saw them. Then it turns into my own career and I start getting motivated going, well, this is what dad would do. This is, this is what this is about. Well, I, I love that. I mean, that, that is, that is literally what's supposed to happen, right? It's like when you all of a sudden one day you wake up and go like, holy shit, I am my dad, right? Or holy crap, I am my mom, right? Like all of a sudden that foundation for which you've grown up against you know, or built on top of, and then all of a sudden you have that aha moment where you're like, whoa, like, well, okay. And that, that's where, um, you know, I, I had one of those evenings at the office and, uh, I, I called my dad. I literally just got in my truck, beat my head against the steering wheel. I'm like, holy shit, I got a career in this. Well, I got on the phone with your go-to call dad. I go, Hey, uh, you remember all the times you were a dick to me growing up? I get it. Yeah. And that's, that's all, that's all I needed to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that's, what's been really sweet about, about this. I, you know, my dad ran cross country in high school. I played baseball. I don't run cause I'm, cause I'm a gun owner. You know what I mean? Um, our common ground has been the outdoors and the fire service. Yeah. And 
yeah, you, it, it's it's absolutely amazing, and it, and it does crack me up where guys he spent better part of a career with go, yeah, okay, junior, you know, you're the short version, but that does pay off. Like I said, you know, there, there's just some times that what would dad do? You know, what would dad's generation do? Because yeah. that's who we grew up wanting to emulate. Well, let me, let me ask you this, right? I mean, I agree with you. I love that. The sons and dad generation, like I it's sons and dads. I love that sons and dads generation. I think that's going to be the top of the title of this episode. It's just, it, it really, it really sums up exactly what we're talking about. And I, I believe in that wholeheartedly, man. I mean, I, that is, you know, I've always looked up to my father, I've always wanted to emulate him in everything that I did. I wanted to be him and more, and I feel like I, I'm there at 46 years old. I've really come to understand a lot of who he is through my own experiences, and, and I'm very proud, and I'd like to think that he's proud of me in you know where I've be where I've gone as a man, as a father, as a son, as a husband, like and as a firefighter, right? Like all those things certainly matter. So let me ask you this then, because now that you find your way to your your own career and you find now you got a bunch of years under your belt, you've you've been in some busy fire towns, um, circumstances have put you in different places in your life. And today you find yourself in Madison Township, Indiana. But you know, your career before that, your career now you're in that middle of the road gap. You're 11 years in, in the fire service. And, uh, that is a unique spot today. I talk about, I talk about the 10 to 20 year guy. Everybody talks about the new kid. Everybody talks about the senior man or the old guy. I love that middle generation, man, because so much is happening there. And, um, talk to me about that a little bit, because I know you've been thrusted into maybe some senior man positions, or, yeah. or riding up as an officer in, in uh, you know, in places that, you know, maybe you were ready, maybe you weren't ready. I mean, there's a lot of things here. So what does that look like for you at 11 years? Uh, so I am currently in the greatest position on the job. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's really, I, I love where I'm at. And I'll tell you why. I am a baby-faced 28-year-old with two kids and a wife. But I've been on the job over a decade. So I also grew up, you know, around the job. So what I found is I can connect and bridge between that generation and mine. Yep. And... The, the department I just left, uh, I, well, I was telling you before we started recording, um, we, you know, it came in as a house fires entrapment at 28 years old. I was the youngest guy on the, or I was the oldest guy on the rig. Yep. My private literally just turned 21. The kid driving was 19. Wow. And yeah, it's great to go, Hey, this is what the job's about. They're saying mom and child's trapped in this house. We're going. This is what we do. This is how you're paying the mortgage. But as essential as those lessons are, it's also been great. And I've had an absolute ball pulling them off to the side saying, hey, dude, why the hell are dishes not done? Hey, what do you mean you can't make boxed mac and cheese for yourself? You're doing a big boy job and and you can't freaking boil water and put noodles in it. The same shit I caught 
at 16, 17 years sure. old is the same stuff I could throw out to these guys. And what's so cool is I can bridge that gap. And through my time on and just kind of where I've been and the passion going back to everything, I'm going to encounter young officers. That's cool. Yeah. Those young officers can lean on me and go, hey, man, what do you think about this? Yep. That's that's where I want to be because that turns into leadership from the bottom. Yeah. And, you know, we round the corner, got fire showing. You can tap that young officer, say, hey, make a call. It's on you. You're good. You're good. I got you. His faith in you as the senior man, he falls back on it. And it's that never ending cycle compared to that young fireman comes in and you have an old officer. Hey. LP comes off like a dick because of this reason. He doesn't like water spots on the engine. So when we get done washing it, make sure you wipe it off. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear about it. Right. That's where you can still pass forward those, those core values and competencies where it's so easy because think about talking to your kids. You could tell them, Hey, don't put a fork in an outlet 20 times. I'm not going to listen to you because you're the parent. Yeah. It's going to take getting zapped. That's right. Or when one of their friends say, hey, don't put a fork in an outlet. You're going to get zapped. They're going to listen to their friend, right? My position and where I found the past handful of years of my career is I can be that same guy in a firehouse and go, hey, dude, this works. And I know because I've seen it or I've done it. This doesn't work. You see what I mean? No, I get it. I absolutely get it. And I think that's what's really cool about that. And I'm glad you brought that up about like that bridging of the gap, right? Is that, you know, that, that 10 to 20 year guy rides the middle and he can relate with the upper and he can relate with the lower. And sure. he's that he's that glue, right? He's the guy that puts it together and that the young kid can look up to as an intermediary and say like, Hey man, you know, Hey, can you just like explain this to me or show me this? Like he doesn't want to put all his cards down in front of the boss or the senior guys. So he leans on that 10 year guy that he's sitting across from and he'd be in the back seat. Right. And like, there's that it's relationship. Awful. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, And that's the thing is, you know, you hear so much, the senior man, the senior man, the senior man. Well, are you the senior man or the guy with the most time on? Yeah, right. Exactly. 100%. Where, where, where that middle ground guy is still learning. He, he still understands. Yeah. I have a lot of work ahead of me, yep. but I'm not jacked up. Right. The, it, it's all about, <clears throat> you know, interpersonal communication skills. I mean, because you can come in and you, it's just like being a generational guy. You can go one of two ways. It's really easy to sit, complain and be like, wow, my job screwed up because of this. Or you could assume that position and say, Hey, newly promoted Lieutenant, what do you think about this? Because this isn't working. Yeah. Hey, new guy this is a standard we're setting for our organization. Why are you not living up to it? Yep. You see what I mean? And yeah. that's, that's the cool thing is it's, it's like you're the senior guy, but you're not. And when it happens for me, it happened and I didn't know it. That's I, interesting. I, Talk about I, that. Well, well, I, I hit a point in my career where I was burned out. Um, 
life happens, job happens, and when it's nonstop and you start getting beat up on all ends, a person checks out, you know? Yes. Well, everybody goes through it. It's human nature, highs and lows. It's just, it's, it's just life. Well, I came in and it's fuck this, fuck that. I'm over it. And I'm finding myself sitting in a recliner 12 hours a day. That's not me. I show up an hour early for work. I PT, I train, I can't sit still. But then I start going, oh, I have a six-month guy riding behind me. My driver's only been on two years. Yeah. Uh-oh. That's where I had to, I, I really had to step back, recalibrate, get on the phone with guys who have influenced me. You know, and some of it was the typical stuff. Are we getting along with the administration today or not? Whatever. And you just have to reel yourself in. Yeah, but you said you you said you got thrusted in that position. You really didn't even know it. So as you're sitting as you're sitting there, did you feel that like, wait a minute, these eight, these 22 and 19 year old kids are kind of looking at me and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, like I'm in a bad place myself right now. Exactly. You know, I get, I'm disgruntled. I'm not the most, I'm not the happiest guy right now because of other shit going on. And then all of a sudden you just realize that like the, what you were, your persona, like what you were putting out, they were reading and you could potentially end up creating bad for them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and like I said, it's so easy to fall in the ruts that not just the job that life gives you. Yeah. And like I said, it, it was, it, it was kind of a selfish approach where I was, man, this is bad. This is bad, whatever. And instead of taking that, that commute in to calibrate, get my mind in the game, go, okay, I got 24 hours. I got to teach these guys something because I feel obligated to, to teach these guys something. The, the job is dangerous, but it's on those guys, those middle of the road guys, those senior guys to te- to train young firemen. Yes. And I was in an environment where I didn't have any middle of the road guys. I didn't have a senior guy. I didn't have anybody to really lean on. So that's where that, that fire department network going back to one of the things my dad taught me is the mentor store is always open. Start calling people. And, and it just, you know, through conversations, guys are like, dude, take you know take time off get your mind right because this is this is toxic and so through these conversations and and just thinking about previous fires i'm going holy crap i got dudes looking up to me you know it's something as silly as as wearing a door chalk and a helmet i'm looking around and i'm like holy crap there's (laughs) there's a bunch of kids rocking lumber in these rubber bands you know like i'm like oh Maybe I need to be worth emulating. I love it. And, and then again, you, you talk about pressure. Well, yeah, being, being a generational fireman is one thing. But when, when you have a group of guys that are looking up to you, especially when you're around the corner and you got reports of mom and child trapped in a house, you, that's, that's the real pressure. You said something that really – there's two things there in the last minute that you said that I wrote down. The mentor store is always open. Call someone. And prior to that, I wrote down, get on the phone. You had mentioned I got on the phone to talk with some guys. 
How yeah. important is that network? I mean, what does your network look like? Are these guys from different parts of the job, different different they're, departments? They're yeah, talk to me about that. What they're, what does that look like for you, and how important is that for you? It, it is absolutely everything. And if it wasn't for my network that I started in high school, I wouldn't have ended up in the Mid-South. Um, 2014, I, I was on FDIC's webpage because there's a picture of me, a guy, uh, Mikey, he's from uh, Laredo, Texas. My buddy, Chris, he went to the Mid-South. He's from Ohio. And then Manny, I, I actually think Manny just retired. Uh, but he's from uh, Patterson, New Jersey. Yeah, my neck of the woods. And, and we, yeah, we we all did the 9/11 stair climb together. Right. These are guys. That was 2014. The, these are guys I still call. Um, there's there's uh, my my one of my chiefs I worked for <clears throat> before I went down south. My, I was a paid driver at a combination apartment. I will still send him the recordings of my size ups and say, Hey man, what do you think about this? Yeah. But there have been so many supervisory issues and leadership things that I encountered when I was a new officer that I'm calling my old officers, my old chiefs. I'm going, Hey, this is what's going on. Uh, why do I feel like jumping off a bridge? Because I don't know what to do. The, the the conversations on the phone are, hey, man, chill out. You're not Christopher Columbus. You you don't have to look hard to find somebody who's done it. Yeah. And, and you don't have to, you know, that that's one of my dad's favorite lines is, who do you think you are, Christopher Columbus? It, it doesn't take a lot to find somebody who's gone through what you're going through. I agree with you. I agree. A network is super important, especially when, you know, we all need a sounding board. I've learned this now more than ever. I mean, I, for a long time, I really didn't have anyone that I, that I used as a sounding board. I mean, my wife's amazing and deals with me, but I don't really talk business with her or the firehouse because frankly, I want to kind of keep it separate. And, uh, and I, with national fire radio, I've come to realize there's a lot here and my network today is is uh, 10x what it was just five years ago. I have the most incredible people in my life now that know every deepest, darkest thing about me, and I consider them true friends. And it's because I allowed myself to open up to people that I trusted. And, um, and I think that those relationships are super powerful, really important. I want to ask you a question. I wrote it down. It says, are you good at taking advice? I mean, you're calling these mentors, these brothers, these sisters that are out there that you have a mutual respect for. They respect you. You respect them. And when you go to them with something, they're obviously going to tell you their thoughts and opinions. Are you good at somebody else's advice? If you would have asked me that question at 22, the answer should have been hell no. Right. At 28, yeah, I, I have to be because I'm calling these people for a reason. Yeah. You know? uh, sometimes the truth does hurt. And that leads into what we were talking about, about how I was checking out and I could have claimed my head was in the game, but it wasn't. Yeah. I, I got on the phone with a dear friend of mine and he's like, you need to take time off and you watch backdraft 20 times. Do what you got to do you have got to, to get out of this. Yeah. But 
you know, it, it comes into how, how do you get out of a hole? Mm. You find the same guy who, who's just in the same hole. And, and you know, it's, it's you, you tell your kids, take the medicine because it's good for you. Well, I don't like the taste. Well, sometimes you just got to swallow it. Well, you bring and, up, you bring, and, yeah, go ahead. And, and that's where going, going back to that middle of the road guy, some conversations you have to have, you have to have some conversations with people that you love. That is your brother, your sister, you know, um, there, there was a young man who rode behind me and I love this kid to death. Absolutely love this boy. He's held my kid. We, uh, back when I did drink, we drank beers in my garage, you know, Thanksgiving morning, I had to write him up. I had to ask, what what the hell are you thinking? If you're getting this many flat tires, why are you not buying Firestone? You know, that that's the the tricky part of this. Sure. Can you sit down with this friend? And I call them real talk moments. Hey, dude, where are you at with this? I sat back because somebody had those conversations with me. Yeah. And I, I, I still have to have those firefighters, the, the guys who've been there and done that, to to have those checks and balances, those sounding boards, like you said, you know? Well, I think real talk moments are super important, and I think people shy away from them because they're difficult. And I think that when you find yourself looking for mentors or you find yourself looking for a jury of your peers, friends, like I was alluding to before, how I've developed this incredible network that I can trust, and I believe that they have my best interest at heart, it's because they're willing to have those hard conversations with me. And for that, I am incredibly grateful Exactly. for that. And, and well, that how, is, that's what you need. If, you? if everybody is telling you, yes, if everybody's telling you there's no issue, if everybody's telling you to do more, all this shit, and nobody is putting up a stop sign to you ever, the people in your life are enabling you. They're not being honest and upfront with you. And, and, well, that's that that comes into man. So, like I said, the the department I just lateraled out of, it murdered me, leaving these boys. Yeah, it was the hardest decision I've ever had to make. Um, there have been two jobs that I shed tears leaving. One was this little town in the mid south, and then the one most recent. I love these kids something violent because. I got them through a 16-year-old fatality car accident. I was the one they leaned on when we're pronouncing a 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid dead. The, that, that meant so much to me, and that's where I've had these conversations going, hey, FDIC is coming up. Don't go buy $200 worth of FDNY shirts and stickers. Go shake hands with people. Yes. Um, Andy Plofkin is a, is a dear friend of ours. I went to FDIC, uh, when I went, I was at that combination apartment in 2016. Uh, we just had a fire not even weeks before, and we had like five or six sections of hose get burned through. And my fire chief was like, Hey, I don't want my guys getting burned anymore. Will you do me a favor and go try to fix this? Next thing you know, I'm rubbing knuckles with with this dude from Elkhart Brass. Two weeks later, even at nowhere, Vermilion County, Indiana Fire Department, this guy is coming to flow water with us. 
that those experiences turn into, hey, man, go to FDIC and meet people. Yeah. Because you never know five years down the line, you might be calling this guy going, hey, dude, I just encountered this. What do you think? Yep. I love it. And, and, and what's so cool about the job, as many firehouses as I've visited, been in, worked in, they're all the same personalities. You know, um, my my wife makes the joke, it's the same guy, different font. Up to <laughs> there you including, go. No, seriously, thank yeah. God. All of us have the same freaking camo yes. card shorts and the long sleeve, you know, IAFF shirt. But it's the same job everywhere. A shift is still pissed because B shift took their catch up. C shift is pissed because B shift didn't clean. You know what I mean? Going out and, and and finding those guys that are sharing those experiences and being able to pick up the phone with a brother or sister and go, Hey man, what do you think about this? Yep. That, that is what makes this job cool. And, and that's what got me into it. Yeah. I like that. I like it. So what's the future look like for you, man? We're over an hour already. I mean, we try to keep these to an hour. You and I could go all day long. Hell yeah, what, man. What's the future look like for you? Are you excited? You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I make the joke. I'm just a junkie looking for his next hit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to keep doing my thing, man. I, uh, where I'm at on the job is I'm having a ball because I've learned how to learn. And I've learned how to teach. Yeah. Um, I, I work with a, a awesome, absolutely awesome group of guys. Um, my administration, uh, they're, they're firemen's firemen. You know, um, my my dad, uh, one of his old drivers just got made lieutenant last year. I think we we have an engine company class that we kind of travel our area and put on and uh just teach guys you know the trade the the street smart real talk engine company stuff um we've been doing that for the past couple years so we're trying to take keep taking that forward and get out Uh, it's going back to it's called generation water for crying out loud nice Uh, but just you know just hanging out are Um, you excited do you love me are you just still in love with it I, I am absolutely in love with the fire service. Um, I have found, especially through atmosphere, atmosphere is everything in a firehouse. If you don't have it, if you don't have culture, you're not going to be able to retain people. Yeah. But the, the department I just lateraled to, I told you, I, I took a pretty decent pay cut, but I can safely say I work with firemen. Um, what's cool is my Lieutenant, we're the textbook old school firehouse. I'm Italian. He's Irish. He's like third or fourth generation. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't swing a dead cat without guys who has had family on the job. Yep. I love it. So, so just coming in and guys just loving what the job is about. Drink your coffee at shift trade, you know, bust each other's balls. And then, be be ready when it kicks off and hope and pray that you're first in yeah you know that's it's just and it's it's so cool that i i'm at a point in my life where i found out how to put the brakes on and enjoy where i'm at well and that's what i was going to say brother because you know even just in the short five years that we've gotten to know each other and and know your family 
um, your father and yourself. I mean, I've seen a lot of change in your own life. And, um, you know, sure. uh, through through growing older comes maturity and you're now married and you have children and all of that plays to, you know, where you are today and that maturity that you find within the fire service. And, um, I have to say, man, I've always enjoyed your friendship. I've always enjoyed your storytelling. Sometimes I have to cut you off cause you love the talk. And I, I absolutely love that you and your dad, you guys could go for hours and hours and I could sit there and just listen. I mean, I love it. And I love the way you talk about the fire service. It's infectious. And, um, I know every time you send me texts every once in a while, pictures of your young guys working or something, and they're proud. They're like proud Papa moments for you. And, um, that's yeah. You know, I, I knew I hit a turning point in my career. I, I always joke, you know, I, I'd cut a toe off for a first 10 nozzle job. <laughs> I knew I hit a turning point in a career when I looked at a 19, 20 year old kid and I said, grab the pipe and follow me. And at, it, it just dawned on me. It clicked. I was like, holy shit, I made it. Yeah, you know, I like, I, it's cool. It, be, yeah. Who doesn't like being on the nozzle? But I mean, hell man. <laughs> but it's fun to watch that young kid be on the nozzle next to you. Yeah, right? Tapping tapping him on the rear. Come yeah, on, man. Right. You got it. That's you right. got it. And that's, and that's what it's all about, man. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's what your father did for you. And now you're doing that for the guys that are coming up behind you. And I just really, I think that's a great way to wrap this generational conversation, the conversation today about, you know, your own career and, and what it's like to, um, you know, love the fire service, man. And, uh, Bo, thank you, brother, for joining me today. What a great conversation. I appreciate you. Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks for having me on there. And uh, Hell yeah. Staying. So where can uh, you say you got an edge company class you're doing with your father, right? So what? Uh, give me a little little something on that, and where can people find you or reach out to you? Well, so um, I believe it or not, I'm off social media. Hey. Uh, I kind of went to grid. Um, his Instagram is capyuck233. Um, you have my my info if someone yeah. is genuinely curious about it um going back to network make the connection for me absolutely um, i'd be happy to it, do it's that. best it's it's best if people text me first but this class what we did was a few years ago i got pissed i was like man i was like we have guys doing 30 minutes in nozzle and then then you're cleared you're good to go hey man go fight fire when, when you don't know how to be a nozzle man and so what we did was we kind of took Jeff Shoup's teachings. Um, we, the, the, the works of the Andy Fredericks, may he rest in peace. Dude, there's, there's not a coffee mug sticker fire helmet I have that doesn't have an Andy Fredericks sticker on it. Right. Um, we, big fire, big water, um, relative superiority from Brian Brush, uh, nozzle forward, obviously, we we took all of these and we we condensed it into a more relatable class for kind of the the typical midwestern fire departments where you don't have you know 50 guys on an assignment showing up you have 12 right you know it's it's a lot of repetition it's a lot of bare bones basics but you know it, balls and basics what else do you need on the job love that balls and basics well don't don't just uh 
that my my dad can't take credit for that his first engine officer uh, captain feed that that was his his claim to fame balls and basics that's what it's all about i love it it's good Bo, thank you, brother. Thank you very much. And if anybody is interested in conf- uh, continuing the conversation with Bo, please reach out to us through our DMs uh, or leave a message on the on the podcast notes, and uh, we'd be happy to get you in touch with each other. But Bo Yelich, thank you, brother, for joining me today. I appreciate you, man. Hang right here. I'm going to sign off the podcast. I'll come right back to you, pal. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Awesome. Guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Another great episode with a great guest. Everybody's got a story, and we're out to capture them all. So do me a favor. The story that was told today, the experiences and knowledge shared today, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it, because when we talk about the job, we are making the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Send us an email, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. Tell us your thoughts, ideas, critiques, anything in between. Let us know. Send us an email. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Fire